In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 83, Heart of the Matter. To be clear. Okay. This is the India RE version of Heart of the Matter. While that may be true, all I could think of this week was Don Henley. Get it out of your head. Get it out of your head. It's India RE. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really do like her version of this song. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, what what was it about this, this week and this song? Well, you know, I've always liked this song. And when you get down to the heart of the matter of oh, the song. Oh, look at you using the words. It's about forgiveness. Oh, it sure is. Even if you don't love me anymore, <laughs> which is the lyric. <laughs> which I'm still hearing in Don's voice. Uh, yes. So we thought, you know what? That's an interesting topic. It is. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah. Apologizing. Mm, I know. I don't like that. It may feel too soon for some things, but. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good clarification to make mm-hmm. some things are not forgivable i think what do you think agreed yeah i yeah. do think that there are certain lines that just you know maybe i can learn to peacefully live in a world where you do but i don't know if i can forgive you yeah yeah mm-hmm. Inter- I, oh sorry i was oh. gonna <laughs> no go for it what were you gonna say <laughs> i was gonna ask you how oh, you feel okay. about the phrase i can forgive but i never forget i like it in theory because i think i i believe in it but the thing is, I forget a lot of things, so I don't know if my memory can stand up to this phrase. Like, I want to not forget the things mm-hmm. that I've forgiven, but it's just biology. My biology will take over and my shitty brain will say, sorry, you're going to forget this. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. See ya. Mm-hmm. You may have a, a, a glimmer of, you know, rancor towards someone, but you're going to forget why. And I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your days. That's what my brain does. That's what it says. Okay. Yeah. 
that turned weird. I like that you want to not forget, but I do. I want to be. Yeah. I want to keep my grudges. And let's be honest, I've kept plenty of grudge. Right. And there's a lot of things I cannot forget. Mm -hmm. There's just as many that just gone to the sands of time. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like having a shelf, like an allotment of grudges. Yes. Do I have to remove one to put another? So that means that it'd have to be a really serious grudge to get one knocked off and maybe that's it i'm 43 years old i've got a whole shelf full of grudges yeah and some of them had to be knocked off over time i think that that's true yeah to make way for the more serious transgressions that's very true mm-hmm. you know another popular saying aaron mm-hmm. is love means never having to say you're sorry bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna predict that but it, no. why why aaron it's lies yeah. first of all it's that's a lie. It Wh- is a lie what does that mean love means never having to say you're sorry I've i'm not gonna say that. sorry to someone i don't love uh, then you're not getting a sorry from me. Mm-hmm. I might accidentally bump into you in a store and say, oh, I'm sorry. But that's not what I mean by an apology. One. Two, that's propaganda, in my opinion, <laughs> to make to keep women happy. You don't have anything to be upset about because yeah. love means never having to say you're sorry. He loves you. You don't need to worry about it. Which then uh, allows for all sorts of shitty behavior. Yes. If someone doesn't have to say sorry for something. Yeah. Then, oh, I love you. I'm going to treat you like shit. But, but I'm not going to say sorry. Because yeah. I love you. Because I love you. And love means never having to say you're sorry. Bullshit. Actually, it's the opposite. Yeah. Means it means you're having to say, to say you're sorry. A lot. Because you're going to do shitty things to people that you yes. love. And you have to say you're sorry. Yeah. You don't get to say, no, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Mm-mm. You don't get to also just say, I love you in response to that. That doesn't, no, that doesn't do it. No, I'm sorry. That's not enough. Mm-mm. So I hate that phrase. I've mm-hmm. always hated that phrase. The first time I heard that, I knew it was bullshit. And I was probably 12. <laughs> because What? How does that even make sense? Well, and it came from a really schmaltzy movie anyway, right? Like, yeah. which... Love if, Story. Yes. If that was called Love Story, come on. That ruined a lot of people then. If that's what I, you and think, I think is... That's, that's I what think that's what this is. This yeah. idea that if you love someone, then you let everything go. All their faults, everything. Well, that's why we're in the position that we're in with yes. so many people getting away with bad behavior. You're right. Because no one holds them accountable. Exactly. It's okay to be held accountable. It's necessary to be held accountable. Yes. Especially to the people that you love and who love you. Yeah. And the reality is those are the only people that can hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. It's the only people I'm I'm not going to listen to the random stranger I bumped into at Target tell me something about myself. No. I don't bump into strangers at Target anymore. I I I keep a wide swath. Well, yeah, now for sure. Especially the people that wear their mask once they get in and then take it off once they, you know, Yeah. 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 Them, I'm like leaving like 20 feet of distance or just running across the store away yeah, from them. Yeah, just no. Get away just from me. Sprint. Just, just sprint. Ah, oh, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> Why did I come in? <laughs> I just needed some ho-hos. That's yeah. all I needed. I need curbside. <laughs> so as a general rule, do you find yourself over-apologizing or under-apologizing? I think I used to over-apologize mm-hmm. all the time. And, and I think some of this is you know being raised as a woman mm-hmm. i think we are um we're the ones that have to sort of apologize to keep the peace mm-hmm. um i think though it seeps into everything like I, I think about in work situations i would immediately like apologize if i misunderstood something if mm-hmm. i did. and there are situations to say you're sorry for but absolutely i think i've learned over time that that there's a line and if you start apologizing for everything you're just going to be stepped on more and more yeah my now i may have swung too far the other way where i will very thoughtfully like i'm not going to put a sorry i'm not going to say sorry i'm not going to do any of this unless it's really necessary but then i you know my behavior i don't think necessitates a sorry 
No, I actually think that's a good skill. I yeah. think we should, more of us should employ that. Like, is this a situation that actually necessitates an apology? Because there's a difference between a sincere apology yes. and a fluffernutter apology. Yes. Do you remember um, in Inside Amy Schumer, there was a skit where it was like a group of women that were all experts in their field and they were like sitting at a panel at a TED Talk or something and all they kept doing to each other, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, oh, oh, I, I interrupted. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Until finally I think their heads explode or something. And it's, yes. that's what happens. Yeah, that is what happens. Hmm. Well, thinking of apologies that mm-hmm. mean something versus fluffernutter apologies. Is that mm-hmm. what you called it? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know why, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of a time that you apologized and definitely did not mean it? I, I can. Um was the one and only time oh. in my school career oh. that I got sent to the principal's office Oh, yeah, in my senior year of high school. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a substitute teacher that often substituted at mm-hmm. our school, and her last name was Sheriff. And, of course, when she would... Like Polk County Sheriff? Right. Okay. When she would substitute, people would start singing that song, I Shot the Sheriff, <laughs> but I did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have anything against her. It wasn't, it was just in my head because Mm -hmm. other people were singing it. And I happened to be the editor of the school newspaper that year. So she was substituting for my journalism teacher. So there was me and like four other people in the room. And I was working and I started singing it completely (laughs) accidentally. It did not mean, and she lost her mind. I'm sure it was the culmination of hearing that song. You were the straw that broke the And she sent me to the principal's office which was, I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like, like I've where never, is the principal's yeah, office? So yeah, so I went to the principal's office, and at that time, we actually <laughs> we actually had a nun that was serving as the principal because oh, the principal Lord. had a different, had something else, different job or something, and they were getting a new, anyway. So I knew her very well since, like, second grade, and she was like, why are you here? And I explained what happened, and she's like, did you mean it? I was like, no, of course not. I just, she's like, just go back apologize Ugh. and well you know just say you're sorry to me too whatever and I was like all right so I mean there is a part of me that felt bad. I really wasn't trying to offend you but also but also why are you coming down on me when every other kid is yeah doing let's talk yeah. to the people who started the song singing mm-hmm. in the hallway but I did I went back and said I'm really sorry I'm you know sorry I hurt your feelings I really didn't mean to it was it's in my head that's not an excuse but I'm sorry. Did you do like the finger cross thing behind your back? No, it's just in my head. I'm sure on my face I looked dead. Because yeah. inside I was just like, this <laughs> is so like, dumb. Robot voice apology. Yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry that I hurt your feelings. And mm. sorry. So I'm going to work now. If that's okay. <laughs> I have did she accept that wooden apology? Yeah, she okay. did. She was like, it's fine. Oh, she, she felt took, real imperious about it. Yeah, yeah. she kind of took. And that's when in the back of my head, I was like, I didn't mean it. Yeah. But I didn't say that because I didn't want to go back to the principal's office. Ooh. Yeah. Was it always icy between the two of you after that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think if he, that was, if I ever even had her as a substitute again. Do you think she, you're still on her shelf of grudges? Like she hasn't been able to ever forgive or forget you? I would think, but I wonder if it's more just a feeling. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if my face is actually there or it's just like more the school feeling. You're like, like that a representative school. student yeah. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if she saw me, it would trigger something, but oh, yeah. it's not specifically related to me. It's more the entire. But you're the high face of body. her teaching PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I would also like to point out. <laughs> That she looked like Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> she was the tallest 
person I've ever seen. Did she have yellow feathers and a? She was wearing a yellow sweater, oh, which is why that sticks my okay. head. And a and a long denim skirt, like a long, you know what I mean, oh, like, like long. prairie dress. Yes, long, yeah. but it was like short on her because she was so tall. Wow. Yeah, I do remember. Oh, that. so Big Bird sent you to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. I still, I know we've been friends for a while. We've been doing this podcast a long time, but still, the image of you with nuns as teachers is very jarring. I know. Very jarring. She gave me a piece of candy, if I remember correctly. That sounds like the start of a Dateline episode. I know. The no. nun gave her some candy. There are some nuns that were the start of Dateline episodes. Oh. This one in particular, though, she was actually, she was pretty cool. She was okay. Yeah, right. I actually had a lot of respect for her. Mm. And th- she was like, had candy on her desk. She was like, just sit here. And I like <laughs> rummaged in and probably got a butterscotch disc or something. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Did going to Catholic school teach you about forgiveness? Or did it do the opposite? I feel opposite? like it, oh, I know that's a loaded question. It is. I feel like there's a lot of things that, ways that it probably taught me some good things about forgiveness, but a lot of not good things yeah. about forgiveness yeah. too. Yeah, a lot of doom and gloom and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the overwhelming feeling that you're always doing wrong, <laughs> which is kind of a Catholic idea, right? That, that seems like a pretty guilty standard, all the time. standard so, Catholic, yeah. That kind but, of feeds into the over-apologizing as mm-hmm. a female anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure it really served that purpose. That's but. true. But I got a butterscotch disc and went back to class. You sure did. With Big Bird. So. Oh, boy. Learned my lesson. <laughs> never sang that song again. Of course, I never sang it before that either, but. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, theme of forgiveness. I got a fiction pick for us. I'm excited. It's called Whiskey and Ribbons Ooh. by Lisa Cross Smith. This came out in 2018. Okay. And Evie is married to Eamon, mm-hmm. and she's nine months pregnant. But then before she gives birth, Eamon, who is a police officer, is killed. Oh. Six months later, Eamon's adopted brother, Dalton, who is very close to the two of them, has moved into Evie's house. And they're helping like each other kind of raise the baby, helping each other through this grief. Okay. Um, over the course of a weekend with a super freak blizzard, because this is set in Louisville, Kentucky... Um, Evie and Dalton sort of come to terms with family secrets, with things that have been unsaid, and a sort of growing attraction to mm. each other. The The book is told from all three characters' perspectives. We get Evie, who during that blizzard weekend is, she's, we see into her head, we see how she's grappling with grief, with all the things that she's struggling with. Um, and also sort of feeling like, oh, God, these feelings for Dalton. Is this, what is this? Is this weird? Is this real? Am I just really in a bad place? Um, we also see uh, Eamon in the past as he meets Evie and he plans for fatherhood. And then we also hear from Dalton, who's a bike mechanic. And he has sort of a strange past. We hear from him during the blizzard weekend and also before in key conversations with his brother. And we see that the brotherly bond is a really complicated one. And there's uh, some family secrets going on that I mentioned. Dalton has to come to terms with all of that um, and what that means for how he's grieving. I, I think this book is, it's a very, it's quite a small story, but it's also a very sort of big one too. It's written very beautifully. And I chose it for this theme because I think a big part of grief is forgiveness. I think you see that here so well. Mm-hmm. You know, both Evie and Dalton, they have to forgive Eamon for his flaws. They have to forgive him for dying because it's not, doesn't make a lot of sense, but we can sometimes blame people for dying. Yeah, absolutely. Especially being pulled away so soon. Yes. They have to forgive themselves for the things they've done in the past 
around Eamon and, oh, I wish I could have changed that. I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. And maybe most important, they have to forgive themselves um, for continuing to live and for maybe finding joy and love in each other, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the theme of forgiveness is dealt with so well here. It's so complicated. You know, we were joking about forgiveness and, and forgetting or forgiving, but here you see just the multiple layers of it. You see it in this uh, trio of people that love each other very much and, and the grief is real. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely story. And Lisa Cross Smith has a new book coming out soon. I think maybe in the next couple months. I just read it. Did you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How That's was it? why when you said the name, I was like, why does that sound familiar? It was great. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm going to recommend it in a future episode for sure. I thought it wasn't out yet. Yeah. Look at that. Well, I think because I'm on Book of the Month Club, oh, sometimes okay. they get early releases. Awesome. And if you pick Look that one or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't even know. I just thought that the book sounded good. Mm-hmm. It's literally the book I read this weekend. Jesus. I know. Right. Isn't that weird? Or die. I know. So great author. I will yes. I will probably recommend it in the future because it was a delightful read. Yeah. So I, I can see what you mean about the writing. Yeah. I'm assuming because yeah. it was very I knew exactly what you're talking about. She's a very talented writer. So mm-hmm. yay, I'm excited. Yeah. We'll talk about that one later. Excellent. Uh so I brought another book that is fairly recent. It was published um January fifth, twenty twenty one by Bloomsbury Publishing. It's called Outlawed by Anna North. Oh my gosh, I've been looking at this and thinking I want to read it. Okay. You should. All right. You, I, it, it rem- a few times I was like, Amy oh, would like okay. this book. Yeah. And it's a it's a quick read in mm-hmm. the sense that it kind of just envelops you and you go with it. So the the it starts with the sentence, in the year of our Lord, 1894, I became an outlaw. Ooh. Yeah. And this is the story of Ada, who's the main character. And at 17, you know, this is the old West. She's married off. And She's fine with it. She loves her husband, or at least what she assumes is love. She loves her job as an apprentice to her mother, who's a midwife. Um, She loves her younger siblings. She's happy. But a year passes, and Ada does not get pregnant. And this is a problem, because that's women's sole job, is is. to provide children and continue on the name. And at this time, particularly in the Old West, they're known for hanging people women who are barren because they think it might be witchcraft or there's something wrong with them. They haven't understood that there could be scientific reasons. They believe that there's something wrong with the woman or she's done something wrong for God not to allow her to have a child. So you don't want to look at the men, though. Don't want to look at the stuff that's coming out of them. No. Mm-mm. But Ada's mom is smarter than that because she's a midwife. Yeah. So she's seen a lot. So she's kind of been trying to counsel her daughter. Well, ultimately, after a year... The, her husband's family says, this is no good. You're out. And they kick her out. Now, oh normally, she would be run out of town. But the sheriff and her mom have a good relationship. So the sheriff just says, you know, stay with your mom. It's fine. And so she kind of hunkers down at home again and is just trying to be happy with that life. But then some other women in the town have miscarriages. Or the next door neighbor who's not able to get pregnant. They decide that it's because Ada is a curse. She's putting witchcraft oh on them God. so that other women don't have babies. All of that witchiness. Mm-hmm. And the, she, he is supposed to take her to jail, but the mom ferrets her out quickly and gets her to a covenant of nuns that will take her in so that she doesn't get either hung or put in jail or whatever in oh the town. God. But she's essentially a fugitive at that point. And she spends some time with the nuns and she thinks this isn't right either. So through a series of adventures, she ends up with the hole in the wall gang who's run by the leader, Kid. As in Billy the Kid? Yeah, but he quickly comes to realize that all of these people are all women. Even though maybe she didn't think that to begin with. 
And they were driven out of their respective towns for being barren, for having been born to a biracial couple, or for various other crimes, maybe being a lesbian. And the sheriff and their posse have drove them out or, you know, they all kind of went through the same thing and wound up together. So Ada decides that her goal in life is to figure out why are women, some women barren? Like, why is this such a crime? What is happening? This shouldn't be happening to women who, like she knows in her case, she's perfectly healthy. She's not a witch. She wasn't performing witchcraft. She knows. And she hears of this doctor who lives in another town many, you know, many, 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 many miles away that has sort of discovered this and is trying to get her research out there. So she thinks, I need to get to her because I know this stuff from mom. If I can learn from her, I could help change people's minds. So the whole story, I I can't really tell you much more, um, basically takes the Wild West and flips it on its head with a cast of women outlaws. You know, we've always heard the story of Billy the Kid as, you know, and a male outlaw. And in this case, they're all females. Maybe they dress up like males. Maybe they pass off as males. We're not sure. But they're fending for themselves better than any man could ever hope to be. They take on all kinds of adventures and all kinds of craziness. And the reason that I picked it for this theme is because Ada understands that people are uneducated and ignorant and that their actions reflect that. She knows that the best way to get the world to change is through information, Mm -hmm. is helping people see something else. And she isn't seeking forgiveness for herself, but she's giving it so freely to other people who she's giving them a pass because she says they just don't know any better. And it's my job to help teach them, which is an incredibly courageous and incredibly respectable and admirable trait to be able to say, you know what, you're not even asking for forgiveness. You're not even really sorry for what you did, but I grant you the forgiveness. I just want to help you do better. Mm -hmm. And really, that's, I think, central to the whole book and central to all the characters in the book. So you know, when you get down to it, it is kind of an odd book about forgiveness in a weird way, but it's also so good. It sounds amazing. Such a quick read. You just get immersed in the whole thing and the stories and the things that happen and it's beautifully written. And it was a, like I said, it was a quick read because you just want to know what's going to happen. And you love some of the characters and you hate some of the characters and it, it was terrific. Wow. Yeah. I'm just really struck by the idea of an all girl gang. Yeah. It's really, that's a moment. I hesitated about whether or not to share that part because uh-huh. there's kind of a moment when you're like, oh, oh, you know, oh. it kind of hits you, but uh-huh. oh, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, good. I think I have it on my list. I'm just going to shoot it to the top of the charts. Yes. Oh, I have a copy. I should have brought it for you. Yes, you should have. Okay. Well, I'll bring it. No, Sorry. <laughs> I do have a copy. That was rude. I'll bring it. I can forgive, but I won't forget this, Erin. Fine. As Sorry. I say that, I know that's not true. I'm going to forget it the minute that we move on. <laughs> I'll bring that one and the new Lisa Smith one to you. You can have both of them. And then I'll forget it so much that when you bring them next week, I'll have no idea why you brought them. Why? Did I want what to read is this, this book? Yeah. <laughs> that's how my brain works these days. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I like it. But I did. I did think quite a few times this is a oh, Amy yeah, would sounds like incredible. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I've seen the picture or the, the cover and it looked like old West lady. Yeah. But like, yeah, maybe a warrior. And I was like, Mm. Yeah, mm. it's good. There's some moments where you're like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I want those moments. I want to feel like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come uppins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That felt like something I should say. Like that fit into the West thing somehow. I don't know it why. It does. Yeah. That feels old Westy. Come uppins. Also- <laughs> come over here and get your come uppins. <laughs> 
Also, it feels old west the way you moved your shoulders and you did the oh come up and it actually looks like you're doing a moonwalk except for the except for the handguns you just pulled out. I added pistols. I thought that made it better. Come up and. <laughs> If I write an old West story, it's going to be called Let's Come Up. Come Up. It's, it's going to have finger guns on the cover. And the main character is going to be a guy named Come Up. <laughs> cannot shoot. So he just shoots in the sky. Can there be a lady in there that just constantly forgets what she needs to forgive? Yeah, okay, because that'll yeah. be me. Yeah. That'll be perfect. She'll yeah. be the only one that talks to come up because she forgets that he's <laughs> so bad with a gun. Everybody's like, get away, it's come up and he's shooting. She's like, no, it's fine. It's what? It's no. fine. It's just Larry. <laughs> so his name is Larry Comeuppance. <laughs> I didn't put that together for you. You betcha. Oh, good old Larry. <laughs> oh, Larry always doing something crazy. Comeuppance. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, really not on that note, because there's no way to Look go away from to Larry Comeuppance. <laughs> Copyrighted by me right now. If anyone steals that character. Because <laughs> that's how it works. Copyright. <laughs> I, I claimed copyright. <laughs> just reminds me again of the second gentleman doug i just like saying doug. doug i like that there's a dude named doug within the vicinity of the white house I do too. and he's just a chill dude embracing his role embracing it doesn't care good old doug 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 his last name's not come up and but still great <laughs> doug. it'd be weird if it was i think <laughs> that would have been second gentleman cup up come up and <laughs> doug come up and <laughs> Oh, now I feel like I need to look at that. There's got to be someone with the last name Comeuppance. There definitely does. There has to be a town name Comeuppance. Oh, you know there is. Yeah. And in that town, everyone gets their Comeuppance. And there's probably a Larry. There's (laughs) for sure a Larry. (laughs) And he's designated himself the mayor of the town. If you get another cat, can we name it Comeuppance? Listen, I get feral cats coming to the back door all the time. I can name the next one Comeuppance. Okay, good. Yeah. I like that. Don't invite another cat in here, Aaron. Come on now. I'm sorry. It would You've be seen come up in. <laughs> You've seen the turmoil the three podcasts right. are causing. You're right. Watch out, Ziggy. Come oh, up and come in. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Did you bring another genre? I pick? sure did. Good, good. <laughs> and it's called Craigslist Confidential. Excuse me, Ooh. I got that wrong. Okay. Let me try that again. <laughs> That's usually my job. Why are you messing up titles? <laughs> And I keep thinking, come up and sit like. <laughs> oh. oh, I ruined your brain. <laughs> no, it was already Swiss cheese. Okay, let's try this again. Craigslist confessional. Confessional. A collection. There's a lot of c words. That is a lot. A collection of secrets from anonymous strangers by oh. Helena Deabala. Wow, from I'm last already year. in. This sounds very intriguing. Yes. So this lovely book that I have managed to botch the opening to, um, Helena Deabella is the author, and she is young and sort of stuck in D.C. She's feeling empty about her new adult life and her chosen profession as a lobbyist. And mm-hmm. one day, she just happens to strike up a conversation with a stranger, and she finds it very, like, sort of strange, the fact of the conversation itself, but also that she kind of reveals some deeply personal stuff, and so does the other person. So then she has this idea, place an ad on Craigslist, inviting people to tell her, a perfect stranger, their stories and their secrets. And surprisingly, 
a shitload of people come. Mm. She talks to them on the phone or she goes to a coffee shop and talks in person. And these strangers, I know, and these strangers tell her these deep, dark things. Um, Helena takes notes during. She's very upfront about the process that she's going to turn this into something. She's not quite sure what, but she's recording. She's taking notes, whatever. Soon, there are so many of these that she quits her day job in order to work on this full time. So the book, it starts with that story, her story. Mm -hmm. And then it's vignettes of strangers telling another stranger some of the most secrets of secrets. So here's some examples. There's an undocumented man who tells her about his terrible green card marriage. There's a person who went through gender reassignment surgery and is falling in love for the first time as his true self. There's a man who lost his wife to alcoholism and is struggling to rebuild his life without her. There's a veteran who lost both of his legs after serving two tours. There's people admitting to addiction, to cheating, to breaking the law. There's sad stories, there's inspiring stories, and there's some of both. And a warning, too. There's some tough stuff. In one situation, she actually listens to a father confess to sexually abusing his two daughters when they were young girls. And that's I think that's an in-person conversation, too. Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine? So I chose it for this theme because reading this, I got a really profound sense of how much people need forgiveness. Mm. Sometimes it's just for making mistakes or for living their life the way they want to live it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's for a feeling of not being authentic to themselves. Sometimes it's much deeper and much darker. Mm-hmm. But it struck me that there's such a desperate need for telling our stories. And by saying them aloud, maybe we're getting closure, forgiveness. And it kind of shows how lonely so many people are, too, that they're willing and, and kind of feel the need to talk to this perfect stranger, yeah. you know? And I mean, think about it. I mean, therapy is expensive and yeah. not everyone can get therapy and yeah, get access to it. So yeah. maybe this is one of those too. Um, I think it shows how much guilt we bear every day, how much hurt. Mm-hmm. And we also get into like who deserves forgiveness? Like that dad, does he deserve forgiveness? I don't know. And I think she kind of re- reserves judgment. She just kind of puts it out there. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have feelings about mm-hmm. that for sure. And this is still an ongoing project, by the way. I checked out she has a website where she's still soliciting, like, tell me your story. So I don't know if there's going to be more books, if there's going to just be uh, more of an online repository. I'm not quite sure, but it's remarkable that it's still happening. And I imagine after this book came out, there was an influx, too, of of more people wanting to tell their stories. So do you feel like that's something you would ever do? I don't know. Yeah. I think about it and I think about how... I've done therapy multiple times, and that's a stranger, and I tell some of the deepest stuff to them. That's true. But that person has a title. That person comes with the promise of helping me work through some stuff. Yeah. Whereas this is just a situation where she's just going to listen. And I don't know if I would do that or not. What do you think? I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point that you made about therapy, but I, I don't know. I guess there could be something freeing in telling someone that you don't know and just like there's nothing there but I think I'm too I think I know myself well enough that it would bother me that there wasn't a reaction yeah yeah you know I think I I wouldn't be able to do it without seeking some sort of validation either some sort of way if that makes sense yeah And, and I would feel too like especially these people know going in that she's going to write about them somehow mm-hmm. that they're going to be out and you're not going to use their real names or their full names but still knowing that that's going to get out there somehow maybe some people take comfort in that but i i don't know i that seems very scary too yeah 
Yeah. Sounds good, though. It is good. Yeah, yeah. It was, Um, I mean, you get, she groups them into categories, too. I think there's, like, love and family mm. and uh, maybe even grief. And so kind of gets at all different levels of stories and emotions. And wow. like I said, some are kind of tear jerking. Some are inspiring. Some are just, oh, God, this is the. I remember one that stuck with me was just somebody who I think he was a guy in his 40s. He'd been with his wife for maybe 15, 20 years. They had kids like everything was supposed to, everything was as it was supposed to be. Good job, good family. And he just felt so empty mm. and it reminded me of conversations we've had about how empty the American dream is, how mm-hmm. empty like everything that we should and supposed to do maybe. And so there's some of that too. Yeah. Well, uh, my other genre pick this week is called Playing Dead, A Journey Through the World of Death Fraud by Elizabeth Greenwood. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know what death fraud is. Okay. Please well, tell us. Yes. I happened upon this book. It was published in 2016. Um, a couple episodes, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was the last episode or the one before. I recommended those couple of disappearance of on oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So in one of these, they were exploring the idea that gets floated a lot, especially with young women, that they just left to start a new life. So kind of death fraud. Okay. Like you're allowing. Pretending now there's two kinds of death fraud. Just I've left. I'm starting a new life and your family has no idea. Or like I there's death. De- there's death. And then they try to collect life insurance oh. money on that. And that person isn't actually dead. So there's wow. kind of some different areas. Of so death this fraud. is a career choice that we could do. Yeah. Apparently, well, wow. If you read the book. I don't oh, know. OK. OK. Yep. So uh, they were talking about this. They uh, consulted this author in one of the episodes to say, how likely is it that this teen, this one was a girl that was in college. It was like her junior year. How likely is it that she just left and started mm-hmm. a new life? And the author was like, it, it's nearly impossible and said that she had this book. And so I was, of course, fascinated. Ooh. And so the reason that Elizabeth came up with this idea is she's sort of like it's post-college She's uh, went to school to be a teacher. She's teaching, but she has like six-figure student loan debt. She doesn't love her job. She just sort of feels like, what is the point? Like, mm-hmm. why did I do all of this? And how am I ever going to get out from underneath this debt and this feeling? And so she kind of started this imaginary game with her friend. And she was like, yeah, what if I just, you know, started over in another country and they couldn't find me? And, you know, she went down this rabbit hole of like, okay, I've heard that floated sometimes as theories, is this possible? So she starts out on this research projects where she talks to people who are in jail for faking their own deaths. She talks to private investigators that are sent by insurance companies to find those fakers. She talks to people who help create fake documents for people. She talks to families who are left in the wake of the fraud or left not knowing what happened to their loved one. So she looks at death fraud from a bunch of angles and with a ton of different crazy characters. Like every person she talks to has a really interesting story, really interesting take and weighs out the possibilities of whether or not it's really actually possible to get away with it. And part of the consensus is that you really have to do some of the stuff in other countries where the laws are different or it's easier to get access to certain things. So a couple of my favorite highlights are that in other countries, you can buy a corpse, an indigent corpse for very little money. What? Which is what death people that try to do death fraud sometimes do. Like if you have um, a country that has a population, and that happens in the United States as well. You have indigent people who... Uh are you know killed or die and there's no one to claim their body at some point either 
the county city who's ever responsible pays a crematorium to cremate them or they can be bought by other things for maybe science purposes or research or, or whatever death fraud yeah and i don't think that happens so much in the united states as it does other countries but it was surprising how little money Whoa. you could buy a corpse and throw a fake funeral have fake mourners you can pay people to show up and it was so interesting because that section was talked a lot about from the from the PI's perspective that went to investigate it. And he was talking about watching this video of a funeral and being like, why does that person look familiar? And he realized that there were actually only three people at the funeral and they were rotating in and out of the frame and changing costume. (laughs) It's just, it's so fascinating. You can choose how you want to die. You know, if you're creating these fake documents Um, and her whole purpose of researching it is the whole time she was thinking about it, she was going to actually try it and see. Oh my God. So she's trying to figure out the legal ramifications, which are kind of interesting. There is actually no legal ramification for disappearing or acting as though you're dead as long as you don't collect any money or you don't try to pass off any fake document. Okay. So like they gave an example of a woman who... Everyone assumed she was dead. She didn't correct anyone, but she also didn't like get a new ID or try to present a death certificate or anything at any time. And she was discovered years and years and years later because of another crime that she happened to be a witness to. And when she went to give her name, had no ID or anything to back it up. And they were like, well, and they started digging. And then she just admitted, look, this is who I am but I've been living kind of, you know, under the radar. Wow. But she never did anything illegal technically, so they didn't have anything to charge her with. But when you present a fake document or you try to collect life insurance, so that's what also came out of it was that it seems most people get caught either by the insurance company that doesn't want to pay the claim or in commission of another crime. Like they talked about a guy that got caught because his back taillight was out and he got pulled over (laughs) after like 20 years. Of oh living gosh. under a different alias, everything. So really interesting. It was just, I guess, something I hadn't thought a lot about. Yeah. And it's really interesting me to me now. Uh, you know, you and I watch a lot of true crime. We know a lot of people that do. And that is a theory you hear. Like, maybe they just went off and started a new mm-hmm. life. And after reading this, it almost makes me want to laugh at investigators saying that. Because it's like, you would have to have such things so lined up mm-hmm. and well done to do that. That this idea that just randomly it happens in the middle of the day on right. Tuesday and you just leave your car and you never... It, it just doesn't hold water. It just doesn't it really so work. so much premeditation and planning. And okay. Yeah, it almost feels like this thing that's become an excuse as a yeah. way to not investigate. But in reality, it's not something... I mean, we're talking about brilliant people that couldn't get away with it. Wow. So really interesting and i picked it for this theme because one of the other things that they touch on a lot that goes wrong with people with death fraud is that they can't stay away from a loved one or a family member yeah they just they can't live with the idea that they've hurt them they can't live with the idea that 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 person's living with not knowing they think okay i'll go for five years and then i'll be able to pop back up and so there's a lot in there underneath it about forgiveness and a lot about families that are left picking up the pieces about children whose parents kind of made them complicit in their disappearing act because maybe they were going to be convicted of a crime or something so underneath it there's also kind of this interesting thread about forgiveness and how do you move past that and how much responsibility we actually feel to other people yeah which is kind of to me where forgiveness comes from Mm -hmm. is that you feel responsible for you know what you do in this world and that's what they said underneath it all believe it or not is that people feel a responsibility to not hurt other people and then they end up 
you know, slipping up or. Wow. Yeah. So all that planning, all that thought, and then they just can't help feeling like they need to close up or, or have some closure or something. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, a lot of the book, it was kind of like not necessarily about what you can get away with, but more what you can live with. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to make your family live with? Mm-hmm. And can you be forgiven for that? Because that is a big part of it. Wow. What an amazing idea for a book, first off. Yeah. And second, that, yeah, that it's so involved. Yes, it is. It's very interesting. How much does it cost to throw a fake funeral? Uh, depends on the country. That body yeah. That body. It, the, it was like just it, in some countries, it was like a couple thousand dollars oh to gosh. buy the body. I thought in one, she said it was like $500 to get the body. I was going to say, a real funeral is way more expensive than that. Mm-hmm. And then you're paying. Oh, they had stories of people, of um, investigators that had coffins exhumed to find out they were filled with rocks. Oh, there was no God. body in there. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. They said that the most suspicious way to fake your own death is to drown which is what people want to do because it's one of the ways that you don't have to have a body. Mm-hmm. But it's pings right away for insurance companies as suspicious. They almost always investigate drowning deaths if you try and get life insurance for that. Okay, so when we fake our death, we can't do drowning. No. We have to buy bodies. We have to- <laughs> That's great. I want to buy a real nice body that like, you know, puts me in a good light. Okay. And, okay. and See, then we're I already wanna- off the rails. <laughs> we're already off the rails. We've already- I want to buy the best mourners. Yes, so that's a good I'm gonna, idea. I'm going to start budgeting now because yeah, I don't want to rotate people in and out and give no. the jig. No, I want to like have a, a good crowd of people mm-hmm. that are weeping their eyes out mm-hmm. at my loss. Yes. It may be suspicious that we both stage this at the same time. That may yeah. be how we get caught. Well, we should die in the same type of accident. Like we are yeah. together. That's yes. not unusual. Yes. It can't be a drowning accident. No. It's got to be no. hmm, something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Lots to think about. Yeah, there's plan. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of details, but I learned a lot. So <laughs> we're a leg up, I think. <laughs> I bet Larry Comeuppance knows all about this kind of stuff. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the deliverer at the end that's like, I'm not paying this out. And here's your comeuppance in the way of Larry. Or he's like, you know, when somebody dies and they didn't get their comeuppance, he's like, I'm going to sell your body for death fraud. Yes. That's your comeuppance. Here's your comeuppance. <laughs> yes. This is going to be a great book when you write it. I can't wait. Yeah. Larry Comeuppance is already a very intriguing character. <laughs> <laughs> I've got ideas about what Larry looks like, but I'm going to let them percolate a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> well, um, on a true crime vein, Ooh. and also on an HBO Max vein, oh, oh I've got a docu-series for episodes. You've seen this as well, Murder on Middle Beach. Oh. Yeah. So good. So Madison is... Oh, what a good idea for this one. Yeah. I know exactly where you're going. Okay, yeah. good. Um, Madison is a teenager when his mother, Barbara, is murdered outside their home. And it's a case that baffles everyone. Uh, no one has any answers. No one understands why she would be targeted for murder. No one understands anything over there. But over time, as Madison gets older, he goes to college, then later to art school, I believe, then later like as a professional, he creates this documentary as a way to seek answers and to try and find out what really happened. And the result is this show told over a decade or so. And this is a true crime series told from such a personal perspective Mm -hmm. that is it's so unique. It's so gripping in that way, I think. Um, He has incredibly tough conversations with his aunts, with his sister, with his father. Mm. 
He finds out family secrets that are at turns weird as hell, at turns shocking, and at turns like this seems like, I mean, I, I got an idea of who did this. Yeah. And to see the devastation wrought on the family from the death is something you don't often see in a true crime series yeah, or in a true crime, just a one hour thing or something. Um, like, for example, Barbara's sister, his aunt, she, in a word, she struggles. She struggles hard. And she blames others in the family for her misfortune, for the death of Barbara. Um, Madison's sister pretty much just runs away, just peace out. Um, and his dad, just oof. There's so much to unpack here. And you see that through some secret recordings that Madison makes, mm-hmm. which it feels like some real spy shit, but it is... It's insane. It's insane. So insane. So insane. There's corporate scams. There's pyramid schemes. There's drugs. There's the FBI. And there's so much involved here. Mm -hmm. And I chose it for this theme because I think Madison's decade-long quest is for answers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not just to the murder, but to why his family is just so catastrophic. Like, Mm -hmm. why it's just so bad. But behind that, you see maybe Madison is seeking forgiveness, too, from himself, from his mother, even from family members that may not deserve it. And I think so much of the family dynamics that you see within the show are all about denying forgiveness or trying to seek forgiveness. I think there's so Mm -hmm. much here that often doesn't get covered when you're just focusing on the murder and maybe the answers, trying to follow the case and everything. This is... The, the devastation wrought on a single family, which is so compelling. Um, one note, when the show is done, you will have questions. Mm-hmm. You will have thoughts. And there's a great um, interview with Madison that I found uh, with, that talks about this and the next steps. And I'll link to it in the show notes yeah. because it's a great, great article. What do you think, Aaron? You saw this as well. Yeah, same. I was going to say the same because he says that he might release more episodes mm-hmm. based on some things that happen after the show. But I right away I knew why you were going to say forgiveness because you and I talked about Madison, the mm-hmm. the documentary maker, and really the at the heart of this whole thing is his family. And we were both struck at his poise and ability yes. to offer forgiveness yes. in situations where I mean, I would have wiped, you know, said I'm out a long time yes. ago. And he kept at this for 10 years and kept a truly caring and genuine attitude about every single person in his family, mm-hmm. regardless of really what he thought about their involvement, yeah. the things that they would say, yeah. the people they would throw under the bus. He just kept extending this grace that was like, how do you have that? Yes. And after all of that, like at the final episode, there's a group gathering where they're all together after all of these interviews and fingers pointing and and just secrets revealed and it's it's something it is yeah it is yeah it was it was a terrific it's different than any other true crime thing i think it's just a different angle Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating because of that and i did have a sense too as i finished it i was like i i felt like probably we know Madison more than we do like we we get a feeling of yes, closeness yeah. like we, we are almost seeing point. this yeah. through his eyes mm-hmm. so I feel like oh, I hope he's okay I know like, you know he yes. spent 10 years on this he dedicated an entire he put everything else on hold like he tried to turn this into a career and he absolutely did yeah but this was the driving force of his life for so long and you know my prevailing thought after that was like, I hope he found what he needed. And then I hope he found some closure. I and I hope he, he was able to forgive himself and his family yes, and all of that. Absolutely. Except for one member of the family. I don't think there's any forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 
yeah, there's some real manipulation going on. There's some gaslighting. Oh my gosh. And you'll change your mind a couple different yes, times. You I really did, will. Least, you know, I kept thinking, oh man, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. It's a it's a twisty ride. And of course, there's a multi-level marketing scheme. Because how could there not how be? How could there not be? How could there not be? And this one is a real bizarre one that it took me a while to figure out like, what? How is this working? I know. It was complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also just so brazen. Like, usually you hide this with, like, lipsticks or, like, oils or something. This one, it wasn't that. No. Just straight up cash. Packets of cash. Buckets of cash. Yes. So much cash. (laughs) Well, my pop culture this pick this week relates to kind of your book in a weird way. Your other genre pick. Oh, okay. It's it's a new podcast out. It's going to be six episodes long. There are three out now. Um... Well, there might be four out by the time this episode comes out, but it's called The Apology Line. I have this in my queue. I haven't listened yet. Okay. Yeah. It's a podcast put out by Wondery. Um, so this the whole premise is that Alan Bridge is an artist in the 80s, and he comes up with this crazy idea that he's going to place ads around New York City to call this number that he has an answering machine in his house set up to and apologize. You're calling The Apology Line. He makes it very clear, do not give yourself away. I'm not working with law enforcement. I'm not working with FBI, any investigative body, but don't reveal yourself either. Mm-hmm. Like, just stay anonymous. It's just a way to call and apologize for something without apologizing to the person. Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's going to be some kind of art exhibit. He hasn't quite decided what he's going to do with it, but he sets this all up. So we're hearing this story from his wife, who married him a few years into this project. Her name's Marissa, and she's telling the story. And so... Right away, we realize that this morphs into something else entirely because one of the first callers leaves his first name and last name. Ah, buddy. And his mode of attack on victims. What? And shortly after that, another crime is committed that matches that. And Alan's sort of confronted with this moral dilemma because the detective calls him and says, we heard that maybe you have a recording or something. And so Alan doesn't know what to do because he's trying to stay true to this art idea and what he told these people. And he isn't entirely sure that he has evidence or what he should do with it. So he comes up with this idea that I'm I'm going to do some interviews. He was doing some interviews for um, publicity around it. And he wasn't giving his name. He didn't want anyone to obviously know who he was or where he lived or anything like that. Um, and he's going to release a couple of these tapes as part of publicity. Oh, And he okay. just made sure okay. it was that one in particular. Okay. So he, right away, there's some difficulties. And shortly into it, you find out that he starts getting like death threats and these messages start getting weirder and weirder. And keep in mind, this is, you know, old school answering machines. You're listening yeah. to these live and they're coming in at all hours, day and night. And he's really struggling with, how to end the project, should he end the project. He's engaging with some of these people. So this is telling the story of how this art exhibit took on a life of its own and how long it lasted and ultimately kind of the demise of Alan, like how it kind of overtook him. Um, Obviously, I'm as far in as you can be. They have said very clearly it's a limited series. It's going to be six episodes. Right away, you get an idea of why this is heavy. I mean, Mm -hmm. they play clips from the tapes and it is it's odd and it's jarring and thinking about someone hearing that live is like while it's happening in your home and his wife is talking about that you know after she moved in getting used to these calls interrupting everything they were doing all the time they could hear the machine go off and then you know hear these messages be left um it 
as you get into the second and third episode, it talks about how he changed the formatting a little bit, how he started engaging with these people a little oh, bit more. Oh, that seems not smart. Yeah, it is. It's weird and it's an odd thing, but it reminded me a lot of what yeah. you're saying with the Craigslist confessional. It was like these people just wanted a way to say they were sorry for something that, and some of them are more benign, you know, like I just mm-hmm. want to say I'm sorry to my husband because, you know, I don't really like him <laughs> or, you know, things that <laughs> yeah. it's like they're just getting something off their chest yes. and feeling better. But then there was also this kind of seedy underbelly to it that is posing a lot of problems for Alan personally of like how to handle. So that is crazy. It is. It's fascinating. It's I had really forgot the premise of it. I was just letting it sort of, uh, you know, queue up in my yeah. queue so I could listen to them all at once. Jesus. Yeah. Man, that shows we have a human need to yeah. confess our sins. It does. Yeah. It, it, and that you're oddly interested in hearing the tapes. And then yeah. like you said, at the end of the episodes, they're saying that they're, they list a number you can call as the apology line now. Like they're, she's kind of restarting the project oh while God. this podcast is out. Like, and they don't know if they're going to sh- like share them in a bonus episode or something, but you can call this number. And I'm thinking who? Especially if we're learning the lessons of like the dude that confessed to his crime. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. It is. Mm -hmm. I do wonder sort of if it kind of indicates the state of mental health today and the lack of support that we have. And this is the 80s. I mean, it's clearly not gotten any better. I mean, we're not doing a lot in the the need to confess to someone or share these things is very interesting. And I think something that we overlook a lot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it makes sense. Like when I, you know, say stuff that's been weighing on me, whether I'm writing it out or if I'm saying it to a therapist or something, I do feel lighter. So maybe people are seeking that. They're chasing that feeling. Absolutely. I will warn you that there's a few people that like one of them that threatens him and his voice is so the opposite of what you would think of someone that would be threatening that it's like alarming. Oh, wow. Like it sounds like a optometrist, (laughs) like just some... (laughs) random person you would meet you know it doesn't sound like larry comeuppance no Mm. it doesn't sound like a creeper that's going to kill you which Mm. is ultimately the (laughs) that's what i'm the message exactly and i'm imagining the voice of like the uh the dude from um i'll be gone in the dark they're like really creepy yes yeah Yeah, no Uh -uh. it's like just a happy jovial like hey I'm yeah. going to kill you. Yeah. I'm oh, going to so much you. better telling you this. Gosh, I'm going to murder you. Like, what? It's more terrifying. You're like, it is. not okay. Like, you imagine this guy just sitting at his desk and then being like, all right, I'm going to eat my sandwich. Like, what? I'm picturing him just eating a blizzard, having a nice little time. <laughs> a nice sweet treat. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. A sweet treat. <laughs> That is an accurate detail that I like. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. That's and what came when in my he's head. eating his blizzard and there's not enough candy pieces, that's when Larry come up and says, like, uh oh, come up and didn't get enough of your peanut butter cup. Because <laughs> everybody knows that's a disappointment. Exactly. You get a blizzard and it just has the flakes of chocolate, that's none no of the good. candy chunks. Yeah. What did I do wrong today? Man, I ate a lot of blizzards growing up. I did too. <laughs> Delight. Let's be honest. <laughs> Not good on the tum tum. No, I'll tell you that. But delicious. Oh, delicious. Man, oh man. Well, we covered a lot of ground. We did. Yeah, I'm still uh, uh, creating an image of Larry. Yeah, yeah in my yeah. head and yeah. his voice. His voice is not the "I'm gonna kill 
you. It's a little more like husky. And, yeah. I, it's got, it, it, I think it needs to have some sort of country like feel to Ooh, it. Oh, like he's got his bootstraps? Yes. Oh, he's yeah. pulling himself up by his bootstraps. <laughs> I said bootstraps, I think. <laughs> I meant boot. <laughs> I don't want boob straps. That sounds terrible. It's a bra, right? Yeah, it is a yeah. bra. You're right. <laughs> He's pulling himself up by his bra and getting to work. Larry comeuppance. <laughs> oh, Larry. It's an intriguing character. It is an intriguing character. Mm-hmm. You got a lot to work with. I do. Yeah. I do. We went some weird places with forgiveness we today. We did. But hey, last time we got on the podcast, we were talking about toenails for a long time. That's so, true. you know, That's this is true. just par for the course. You know what, what I'm not going to do? What? I'm not going to apologize. Me neither. <laughs> I ask no forgiveness. No forgiveness. For Larry come up and not at all. Because that's gold. That is <laughs> literary gold. Just as toenails in the pantyhose was freaking gold. It's gold. Tell me <sighs> that no one else has thought that exactly. before. Exactly. Probably not. But that's not the point. <laughs> oh, well. The good news uh, is you get more of this every Wednesday. God damn right we you every do. single every Wednesday. Wednesday. We come to you. We sure do. And before then, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.